So I showed it to the doctor, and well, she said it's smashing. In this episode of the Smashing Podcast, we're taking a look at the brand new version of Microsoft Edge and its Chromium-based rendering engine. What does that change mean for web developers? And how does the death of Microsoft's own rendering engine impact the web? But first, did you know that Smashing Magazine publishes a new article to the website five days a week? That's a lot to keep up with, but we're here to help. It's your weekly update. In the Mythical Man Month, John Foreman asks the question, how do you move faster when adding folks to a project supposedly slows it down? The MailChimp CPO takes us through some of the considerations for preserving momentum while scaling up your team. Yuri Schacht dives into recreating the Arduino push button using SVG and Lit Element. Learn how to build custom HTML components that mimic physical objects such as the Arduino push button. Find out how to draw the SVG component from scratch and wrap it up as a standalone web component using the lightweight Lit Element library, paying extra attention to accessibility and mobile usability considerations. In How to Pass Data Between Components in Vue.js, Matt Maribajok looks at three of the most common ways to pass data across components and helps you identify which technique is the best for your situation. Manish Dudharajia takes us through a complete guide to WordPress multi-site in which he covers all the advantages of running multiple websites from a single centralized WordPress installation. From setting up a WordPress multi-site to optimizing its various features, this article will help you understand every facet of this unique element of WordPress. And in how to empower design teams by measuring value, Dave Cunningham looks at ways a design team can measure its impact on a project with a diet or design impact evaluation tactic. Find out how you can measure outcomes with a simple multi-stage scoring system and bring some clarity to how your work is performing. And that is your weekly update. Find all these and more at smashingmagazine.com slash articles. She's a program manager and user researcher with the Microsoft Edge Developer Experiences team, where amongst other things, she connects with web developers to identify problems in the web platform that they need solutions for to improve their day-to-day workflows. He's a web standards advocate, again with Microsoft, where he works closely with the Edge browser team, as well as working with partners on progressive web apps, and takes a focus on cross-platform compatibility. Together, they're part of the Web We Want team to open a dialogue with web developers to help shape future development of the web platform. So we know they're both from Microsoft, they're both dedicated to making the web better for all of us, but did you know their most recent Web We Want meetup was hosted in a hot air balloon outside the Earth's atmosphere before jumping back down to Earth in the style of Felix Baumgartner? My smashing friends, please welcome Stephanie Stymack and Aaron Gustafsson. Hello, Stephanie. Hello, Aaron. How are you? I'm smashing. I am also smashing. I wanted to talk to you today about some very interesting developments that have been going on with the Microsoft Edge browser. I guess most of us will know that Edge is the traditionally Windows 10 browser that replaced the much-beloved Internet Explorer. Probably the first thing that we should know is that Edge isn't exclusive to Windows 10 anymore, is it? Correct. Uh, You can find Edge on, so Windows 10 and Mac OS, and then I'm not sure if it's available on Windows 7 yet, but... Yeah, I believe it's available on Windows 7 and Windows 8 now as well. And then, of course, there's the mobile clients, too, for uh, iOS and for Android. So pretty much every modern platform. Yep. 
Except for Linux, hopefully coming soon. So uh, even uh, even Linux desktop users can uh, get in on the action. Eventually, that's the hope. Fantastic. Um, so as far as I understand it, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but Edge was technically a continuation of the Internet Explorer code base. Is that fair to say? Yeah, when uh, Edge first started, it was basically kind of rip out all of the stuff that we realized, you know, it's just kind of lagging around things that have been proprietary and stuff like that. All of the, the old like browser helper objects and ActiveX stuff and things like that. So it, it was massively gutted. It was kind of a, a chance for the, uh, the team to really get rid of a lot of the legacy baggage and focus on the, the standard stuff. Um, and so it was a, a continuation of that, uh, the old Trident engine, um, but kind of refactored and, and made into the Edge HTML engine. So it was like a, a massive home renovation inside the code base. Yeah, take it to the studs. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess the, the biggest change uh, that I want to talk about with the, the very newest version of Edge is that even more of those sort of older guts have been ripped out and replaced, and there's a new uh, rendering engine that's been installed. Now, I'm a little conscious of using jargon and People who aren't maybe so familiar with the workings of browsers might not be completely happy with, you know, what do we mean by a rendering engine? I think some of us who've been around and working on the web a long time will have picked up that information, even if we're not working directly with the internals of browsers. But somebody who's perhaps newer to, to web development might not understand what do we mean by a rendering engine? So what is a rendering engine inside a browser and which bits aren't a, a rendering engine? So the... Uh... There's really well. There's a there's a bunch of different parts to a browser. the The rendering engine is what we typically think of when we're talking about what what's being actually painted to the screen um, and sort of the the interactive layer of things. Um, and so, in the Chromium world, that is the the Blink rendering engine. Um, and then there's like the WebKit rendering engine, which is what runs Safari. And that was based on the KHTML rendering engine, which ran Conqueror back in the, uh, in the early days. Um, the Trident rendering engine I mentioned before was the, uh, the one on, um, Internet Explorer for, for Windows. Um, Tantek Chalik had made the Tasman rendering engine, uh, as part of the team that was working on IE5 for Mac. Um, so there are all these different rendering engines out there. And in fact, I think there was a new one that um, Peter Paul Koch was just talking about called Flow. That's uh, like a multi-threaded rendering engine that's based on SVG or something like that. And there's a, a forthcoming browser for that that was designed for like set-top boxes, like really low-powered devices. Um, but yeah, the rendering engine is what, what's painting, like taking all of your information and painting it to the, the screen. And then you've got your, your sort of underlying JavaScript engines as well. Um, so V8 in the case of, of the kind of Chromium stack. Um, and there, there are a bunch of different ones uh, for that as well. So when we say that the old rendering engine Trident in IE, that came from IE and, and has been in Edge has, has been replaced, we're actually talking about the, the bit that's painted stuff to the screen and also associated things like the JavaScript engine. Is that, is that fair? Yeah, in the case of the, the new Edge version, basically none of the underpinnings of old Edge are there. Um, the, the Chromium project is an open source project that runs Chrome and Brave and uh, a bunch of other Opera and such. And that project includes the rendering engine, includes the JavaScript engine, includes all of the, the UI. It also includes like the build process and, and all of that sort of stuff for actually creating the, the browser. 
Um, and so we basically have had the Chromium project became the basis for the new edge. And so we had to go through the process of making it look like edge and adding in the, you know, the functionality that we needed in terms of synchronization, using Microsoft accounts, all of that sort of stuff. So the new edge does not share any lineage uh, in, in kind of the traditional sense with the old edge, which was edge HTML, which inherited from Trident and, and so on and so forth. And you can keep going all the way back to like mosaic, right? For most of these. Um, but yeah, so now the new edge is um, Chromium, which is based on WebKit before it, which is based on KHTML and, and so on and so forth. So it's a, a completely different lineage uh, than the previous one. So, I mean, that's a massive change, isn't it, for Microsoft to no longer have uh, a browser that's originated in its own code, but is actually taking a, an open source project and and creating its own browser from that which I guess is similar to what Apple did back in the day with WebKit. Was it KHTML? Yeah, it was Conqueror was the, the with a K. <laughs> yes, Conqueror. So they took they took that open source project and, and that became Safari. And so Microsoft is doing a similar thing with the Chromium project and has made um, Edge out of it. Correct. If I'm sat down in front of Edge as a, as a developer, as a, a web developer, what that I'm looking at is unique to edge what would i be seeing that's that i wouldn't see if i was sat down in front of chrome for example a lot of the features right now in this first stable release are consumer focused so um there's collections which is coming out uh which is a pretty cool way to pull stuff from the web um into like individual uh collections <laughs> hence the name um, and you're able to take that data and kind of put it into a side pane and then export it out to Word and Excel, I believe. Um, I've been using it for like design projects and other things. It's just cool for gathering um, resources. Um, and then one of the other features for enterprise customers, and it's only available on Windows, um, is IE mode. So that will actually render Internet Explorer within a tab in Edge for people who still need those pages that rely on old technology. So that's pretty cool. And then in terms of like developer tooling, everything um, right now is the same. I know we have some stuff upcoming that is going to get ported up to Chromium, um, but there's a cool 3D DOM viewer that's in the works and we, the team's been iterating on and there are some other tools that don't exist in Chrome yet that are coming. So that's exciting. So that, that's a big deal for web developers, isn't it? Because I think typically people get used to using a set of developer tools in their browser of choice. And, and quite often, frankly, that is Chrome these days uh, for a lot of web developers. So to be able to go across to Edge and find a, a very similar um, set of developer tools has to be quite a draw, do you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's it's the sort of thing where you're going to have the the exact same tool set. We're, we're built on top of Chromium, including all of the dev tooling. We have been making a lot of investments in, as Stephanie was talking about with like the 3D DOM viewer, we've been doing a lot of, um, making a lot of investments in terms of improving the overall accessibility of the dev tools, um, adding new tools into it, working on internationalization of the dev tools, um, 
And as Stephanie mentioned, the vast majority of the work that we're doing, basically anything that is not UI specific to Edge or that involves like our sync platform or, or things like that, all of that is being upstreamed into Chromium. So the, the fixes that we make, the improvements that we make for accessibility are going to make Chrome better, are going to make uh, Brave better, Opera better, they're even going to make Electron better. Um, so, you know, it's, it's really neat to be kind of part of that larger um, ecosystem, right? And to, to be able to have impact beyond our own browser. Um, and so DevTools has been an area we've been making a lot of investment. We've been doing a lot of work with um, partners in the Chrome team on progressive web apps as well and trying to figure out, you know, what do progressive web apps or what should they look like in desktop environments because a lot of the focus has been on mobile. Um, and then there's also been a lot of um, work between the DevTools team and the folks working on VS Code to make those tools work better together um, so that you can basically access the dev tools from the browser from within VS Code while you're debugging your pages and everything is kind of connected, like being able to click on a style rule in the Edge dev tools actually will take you to that line in VS Code in your style sheet, which is like mind blowing. It's really cool stuff. That sounds really exciting. Uh, I know VS Code is is something that seems to be gaining an awful lot of traction uh, in the web development community. I think um, it's actually brought a lot of people back to Microsoft tools who might have drifted away over over the years. Certainly uh, feels like a, a different era of Microsoft, and as does this sort of embracing of open source and uh, the new version of Edge. It all seems quite exciting and quite refreshing from a web development point of view. Also, from from that point of view, it seems like this is a this is a, a really great convenience for web developers because if some of the major browsers, Chrome and and Edge in particular, and you mentioned Brave and, and Opera, uh, what have you, are all using the same rendering engine, presumably that cuts down on masses of compatibility problems and and, and browsers that don't need to be tested uh, in in lots of different places. It should all just work the same. Is that fair? Yep. Amazing. That's the dream, right? That that is always the dream. It does raise a little bit of a concern, though, doesn't it, in the reduction of of sort of healthy competition in the marketplace. Whereas we had Microsoft pushing their browser forward, Google pushing their browser forward, Apple hopefully, ideally pushing their browser forward, Opera and all the other players, uh, and that that sort of creates this atmosphere of of healthy competition where everyone's trying to keep up with each other and and trying to trying to make improvements. If uh, a lot of big players are all using the same rendering engine. Does does that healthy competition suffer? This is something that I definitely have, you know, having been a, a longtime web standards person, kind of struggle a bit with. I don't think, like, I, I totally get the business justification for it from Microsoft standpoint. It made a lot of sense. And from a front-end dev uh, perspective. It's nice to not have to, you know, cater to a bunch of different engines. I mean, on the whole, uh, you know, those of us who've been working on the web for a long time have certainly seen a lot of convergence um, in terms of rendering. We don't have as many problems as we had, say, back in the, you know, Netscape 4.7 days where where we had just like, you know, I, I knew companies that were creating unique style sheets for each different browser, which was just, you know, un untenable. Um, but, uh, I think what's what's kind of different now is that back in the original browser wars, you had all of these proprietary engines and everybody was kind of 
in a game of one-upsmanship uh, in terms of trying to ship new platform features and, and new JavaScript features, or in the case of Microsoft reverse engineering JavaScript in order to create JScript and, and trying to figure out how to fit it all together. Um, but now we have the ability to actually work together in open source projects and still have the the dialogue and still, I don't know, fight's not the right word, but to, to have like serious discussions about the impact of, of different approaches and to disagree with each other and um, to really work on making specs really good and and to also have competing approaches to the underlying um, code within the context of, say, a Chromium project or WebKit or something of that nature or, or um, Mozilla in the, the Firefox space. Um, so yes, in, on one hand, we, are, we did lose another rendering engine, and I felt that same pain when Opera decided to go to Chromium, but... I do. I feel somewhat heartened being inside Microsoft and seeing how committed we are to actually participating in the Chromium project in a meaningful way, um, and not just kind of sitting back and just accepting everything that comes downstream from Chromium, but actually kind of vetting what's going into the platform and participating in that. Um, yeah, that. So I, I'm I'm a little bit heartened by that, um, and feel like you know we're not just there to, to take from that project and just accept whatever gets passed down by all of the different people who, who have a stake in that project, but to actually be um, collaborating in there as well. I think we still need to figure you know, out what this means for standards bodies and in terms of interoperable implementations, because basically, if you've got some browsers that decide they don't want to implement something, um, you know, they can totally stop something from becoming a, a standard, even if you know, all of the developers in the world wanted it. And it could just be, it, it may not be anything like where they don't agree with it. They just may not have the, the bandwidth to build the feature, right? The Everybody's pressed for staff and, and such, so. I guess really the collaboration on the web as a platform has just moved locations from everybody agreeing to implement things the same in their individual code bases to some major players working together on the same code base, essentially. Uh, I mean, you mentioned briefly disagreements, and obviously that's something that um, could be a, could be a concern in, I guess, in any open source project. But how uh, do we know how that will work? If uh, developers from Google, for example, want to implement a feature, and developers from Microsoft uh, really don't want to see that implemented, how do they just fight it out over GitHub issues? <laughs> I mean, a lot of this stuff does happen in, in the open, either on GitHub issues or in uh, the CR bug, um, which is the, the bug tracker for Chromium. Um, I am not a browser engineer, so I don't know all of the, the details of the internals, but I, I believe there are a lot of things that we can basically turn off um, if we don't want them. And I know Google's been working on um, sort of cleaning up or, or doing some housekeeping within the Chromium project to extract more of the Google-related services and such up to the layer of converting it from Chromium to Chrome. Um, and so we have a similar process taking Chromium and turning it into Edge. And obviously, you know, we wouldn't want to check in the, the design of the Edge UI, for instance, or um, like the collections thing, which is more of a, a UI user-focused thing that Stephanie was mentioning. Um, we're not upstreaming those into Chromium. Those exist in, in kind of the UI portion. So as far as I understand it, you know, as features come out of Chromium, we have the ability to kind of 
turn off certain things that we may or may not like. And I, I know Brave does the same sort of thing because they have a much different approach to privacy than, say, Google does. And we may have a slightly different take than either of them or, or what have you. Um, so I, I think there will be kind of things that happen at different points, um, some of which will be kind of where the, where the project gets converted into the browser from the open source project. Some of it will be within the standards organizations or interest groups within the standards organizations um, and so on. And I guess it works the other way as well, doesn't it? If you, you mentioned um, browser not having enough uh, engineers on hand to develop a, a particular feature, traditionally the way things have worked within standards bodies is that we need you know multiple different implementations before something is, is accepted as part of the standard. Obviously, that needs to be figured out if there aren't that many implementations available to, to actually test with. Um, but for example, if if Microsoft wanted to implement a feature um, and, and Google decided that they just didn't have the resources to, to implement that feature, it wasn't high enough on their priority list, well, potentially they, they're going to get it for free anyway because it just gets upstreamed into the open source project and then they can access it. And, and all their users benefit without any of their engineers particularly needing to spend a significant time uh, developing that. I mean, do you, if, if Mozilla decided that they were going to do the same with Firefox and just adopt the Chromium project, do you think that would be a problem for the web? Um, I, I mean, I would say, yeah, because then we're in this browser monoculture. And honestly, I, I love Firefox. Firefox has some great tooling that, that Chromium doesn't have that would be, I think, really terrible to lose. And it's kind of nice to have sort of an independent browser out there still uh, fighting for the open web. I mean, we're, we're fighting for the open web too, but I think what Firefox is doing is still important. I mean, I kind of wonder, you know, what would happen if, let's say, whether whether it's Chromium or whether it's WebKit or some fork of an existing um, open source project, what if a standards body kind of controlled the rendering engine and, and the JavaScript engine and all of the browser makers were contributing to the development and kind of the ongoing creation of that? Would that necessarily be a bad thing or would it be a good thing? <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is to that, but it's kind of an interesting prospect that if browsers are not inexpensive and inconsequential to build and especially rendering engines it's going to be probably you know relatively unlikely that we're going to see a whole lot of new rendering engines and and big investments in that area um, because so many companies have shifted to focusing on their their services right with apple with all of its its iCloud and its whole ecosystem and you know Mozilla has been doing some similar things with their acquisition of pocket and such um, and then certainly there's the, the Google suite of products, the Microsoft suite of products, um, et cetera. Um, <clears throat> and Brave's focus around privacy and the basic attention token and that sort of thing. Everybody kind of has their, their little ecosystem um, of things. And so I don't know that there's going to be a whole lot of interest in, in building out a new rendering engine and a new JavaScript engine to challenge the ones that are there. So it's kind of a question of will there be, will there continue to be kind of a, consolidation and if more people are actively interested in the ongoing development and and kind of having those difficult conversations about where the engine is going and where the web platform is going could that be a good thing i don't know it's kind of an interesting thought experiment though it really is 
So the the new edge sounds really exciting. Um, I've been uh, playing around a little bit with the betas and uh, enjoying that. Um, how long do you think it will take for this new version to roll out to to the world? Because it's uh, I mean it's only just been released this month, hasn't it? We're January twenty twenty. Yep, January fifteenth. It went uh, to general uh, audience basically. So we had we've had the the canary. Uh, dev and beta versions gosh when did we start rolling those out stephanie do you remember mm, i'm gonna say six months ago but i honestly i'm just throwing that out there i feel like i've been using it for oh, i've been using canary as my daily driver for what feels like months yeah i think i think we're kind of skewed because we we started using it internally for like a bit before we we started to yeah to open it up to the public um but yeah i think i want to say we we started sharing it at build last year, which would have been like May, um, I think is, is when like the, the canary and maybe the dev version were out. I don't remember if beta was out then. Um, but yeah, the, the fully stable version came out on the 15th. So you're both involved in a project called the web we want, which is a, uh, a sort of initiative between lots of different browser makers. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> the web we want, Let's see, I think Aaron started it last June or so, and we started talking about it. And um, yeah, the Web We Want is basically an initiative. And Aaron and I have been the primary ones kind of running it, but we've had interest from other browser vendors and folks who work on those teams. Um, and it's basically just a way to gather feedback from developers um, about problems that they're having on the web because we can, I, we as people who build the browser can kind of focus on those new like shiny things that we want to implement. But developers, as we've come to see through this initiative, um, there's a lot of stuff that they're still like struggling to build that isn't native in the browser that probably should have been solved by now, but hasn't. And so that's kind of what the initiative is all around, finding out what those problem areas are and then uh, taking those back to browsers and standards bodies if it's um, if it's that sort of problem. So what sort of form does that take? Is it something you do in person or is it all online? Or So we have two um, components to it. So you can go to webwewant.fyi and... You can fill out a form with your your problem and your use case uh, that you've encountered on the web. And then Aaron and I have been. I think we went. I think we we've hosted six or seven events, um, and so within like a conference or a meetup. And so the form that that takes is uh, we usually have a forty five minute to hour long session at a conference we're partnering with and uh, we give people who have submitted their their problems that they've encountered on the web a chance to present those to a panel of judges uh, who are usually industry experts. And in between, we usually have four or five of those problems presented during a session. And in between each of those, we have our, our panel of judges kind of talk about the the problem space that's being presented and whether or not um, it's it's an interesting problem space or if they think it would be useful for browser vendors to to uh, go work on that 
And then at the end of that session, we have our judges pick what they think is the most pressing problem to go fix. And we also have an audience component. So the audience for the session also gets to vote on what they think is the most pressing thing that browser vendors should go fix. And then we take that data back to our teams and uh, we're currently in the process of figuring out how to disperse that out among the different browser teams. Are there any sort of standout suggestions that you remember that, that have, have particularly stuck with you? I will say, so there's been a couple. The one that keeps sticking out for me, though, is HTML controls keep coming up. And um, uh, that's sticking out for me because I'm working on a talk right now that involves HTML controls and how just not being able to style them or extend them um, is an issue. And so it's kind of cool to see that feedback reiterated even more. Um, there's been some really interesting, there was one for um, a source view order or source order viewer in the dev tools that had to do with, um, I believe grid, grid CSS grid content and seeing because you can kind of move things out of order and, um, having that kind of identify how things flow through the DOM. So that I think that would be a, a really cool thing to get implemented in the dev tools. Yeah, there's been a lot of accessibility-related um, submissions, which has been really neat. Um, another one that was DevTools and accessibility-related was actually, rather than sort of relegating accessibility testing to its own part of the um, was it the audits tab? I think it's is where currently like Lighthouse does some accessibility testing, or you could use um, WebHint or um, accessibility insights and such. Um, the idea of this is to actually start uh, capturing some of the the low hanging fruit in terms of accessibility errors and bubbling that up in the console, for instance. So if it if it sees that you have some images that are missing alt text or um, some really tiny fonts or not enough contrast, it could actually throw those as errors in the console. And that tends to be where a lot of developers are checking to see if their stuff is operating properly. So that would, would make it uh, a little bit more obvious to folks that they have accessibility issues that they need to address. Uh, and you could see some similar uh, ways to incorporate that into like the DOM viewer or the CSS inspector tools where it could flag something as being too low contrast or uh, highlight an element as, as having some accessibility issue um, that's known, that sort of thing would be, would be pretty interesting. I want to piggyback off that. There, there was actually a really interesting one presented at View Source in Amsterdam last year. Uh, it was around um, the browser automatically fixing certain types of accessibility issues for you and the just with like um, color contrast or maybe um, certain fonts being unreadable um, and the the proposal and the the case study presented was really really well thought out but it also kind of poses this this interesting question of if the browser starts to fix things for you as a developer, are you going to write bad code because you don't have to worry about it? So it was, it was interesting because the ideas that he put forward and kind of demoed were really cool, but that kind of, what does that mean for developers? Are they going to get lazy? So I've seen some cool stuff come out of it. 
so i guess it, it's still pretty early days isn't it for the uh the initiative um so i uh, i guess you've we've not seen anything go as far as as actually reaching even early development stages with any browsers um do you know what that process will look like i mean you said you were just still sort of trying to figure it out is that right yeah we're all still still trying to figure it out um but we we do have the the right people involved we've got folks from mozilla and from google and uh from egalia as well they were the ones who did a lot of the grid work um and they're very familiar with uh with how all this standard stuff works in fact i think they're doing MathML right now uh doing the implementation for webkit um so yeah we've got a got a bunch of people on board that are keen to work on this and keen to see it be successful um and the W3C is paying attention to it as well, which is cool. So for us right now, we, we've taken the, I think we have 12 top. We took the, the winners from each event last year, and we've I've kind of bucketed them out into their like specific categories. So some are DevTools-focused, some are HTML-platform-focused, like web-platform-focused, and then I can't remember what the third category was. It was just kind of general and so on the edge side, we're starting to at least look into, um, I'll, I'll have a couple Twitter surveys going out, actually, hopefully sometime soon to help gather more feedback uh, to validate that these are problem spaces that we should invest time in. And then um, hopefully we'll go from there. So I'm hoping sometime this year we'll start to see some sort of progress, but um it, it is a little bit slow at the moment. It's great because the web actually is a very collaborative platform. Uh, and I think as a, as a web developer, just building sites on the day-to-day, um, you forget that there's actually ways to feed back into the process and ways to make your voice heard. And I think this sounds like a really great, easy way to, to make your voice heard. If any of our listeners wanted to come along to a, a Web We Want session, uh, are there any coming up? There are a couple. So um, let me pull up my list here. So well, um, Open Source Festival in Lagos, Nigeria. Um, Aaron and I won't be there, but they're actually running that event um, independently. And then I will be at SFHTML5 in San Francisco at the end of March. Um, I believe that's free, uh, but I don't quote me on that. I have to check. Um, so if you're in the San Francisco area, um, we're running it there. And then Smashing Conf San Francisco in April, we will be running it there. And hopefully TBD still looking at Smashing Conf Austin. And I believe that's all we have on the calendar right now, but I'm going to do a little plug here. If you run a conference or a meetup and would like this community focus session to be run there, uh, please reach out because it's, it's really cool. Of course, the smashing comps are the, are the best ones to go to, we think, yeah. Yes. Yes, they are. <laughs> so to me, that sounds all really, really exciting. And uh, I'm, I'm heartened to see... Uh, all the big browser makers actually uh, coming together and backing that sort of uh, initiative to get out and to talk to web developers, talk to the people who are actually solving these sort of everyday problems, building websites and apps for their for their clients um, and for their companies. Uh, I think it's really important to actually listen to to the people who are at the coalface doing the work. 
Uh, I normally ask at the uh, the sort of end of these uh, episodes, what have you been learning lately? Because we're all about learning stuff here at Smashing. But really, with the web we want, I think you must be learning all these things all the time by speaking to to web developers. So I, I really think we've uh, covered uh, covered masses there. Is there anything else that you wanted to mention about uh, Web We Want or or about uh, the new version of Edge that we hadn't talked about? I just think you know if, if folks have ideas, even just the the germ of an idea, some some cow path that you think should be paved for for the web, um, you know, reach out to us. Let us know. You know, we're we're happy to also work with you on kind of refining the the submission. So in a lot of cases, we'll get a submission that's kind of a you know a germ of an idea. It's not you know, perfectly articulated or anything like that. And and we work with those authors to make sure that we kind of capture what it is that, that they're looking to put out there. So, you know, don't worry about your, your grammar or your spelling or anything like that. It's not like we just post it up as soon as you send it, we'll, we'll look at it, review it. And, um, and in some cases, people have suggested things that actually exist, in which case we tell them, hey, you can actually do that. And here's, here's a way to do that. So we can, <laughs> it's a little bit of, uh, of stack overflow as well, because we can tell you if there's something that, uh, that you can do that already with standards. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we want any and all ideas on how we can improve the web. Um, you know, hopefully they, they're actionable ideas. In some cases, we get like, the web is too hard. And it's like, you know, I, I feel you, but you know, that not something browser vendors can really solve. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, we, we want to know, you know, what is it that you're doing? Where are you running into problems? Um, you know, we have the, have the kind of saying, you know, if you could wave a magic wand and fix something on the web, what would it be? And, uh, yeah, so you can, can hit us up via the forum. Uh, Stephanie mentioned web, we want FYI, um, or we're web, we want FYI on Twitter. Um, yeah, please reach out. I will also pile on just to talk something about Edge uh, also. like We are, the team is super hungry and eager to get feedback from all of our users. So if you're in Edge and there's something you don't like or there's something you love, there's a little feedback icon you can click. Uh, all of the teams see that feedback and are looking at it. And if you have a problem, are very proactive and engaging. Um, and you can always ping MS Edge Dev on Twitter uh, if if you have a problem and it, it hasn't been addressed yet. So trying to be super proactive and really build a browser that not only developers want to use, but the world. So If you, dear listener, would like to hear more from Aaron or Stephanie, you can follow them on Twitter where he's at Aaron Gustafson and she's at C Otter. You can find the web we want at webwewant.fyi. Thank you for joining us today, Aaron and Stephanie. Do you have any parting words? Uh, I think. Adios. This is Smashing. And that was our podcast. Thank you very much for listening. And if you liked it, please share it with your friends. Find us on the web at smashingmagazine.com, on Twitter at smashingmag, Smashing Magazine on Facebook or in the supermarket by the cat food. Whoa.